Welcome back to episode five of the new season of Budding Business. I'm Chase Gibson. I'm Alex Pronia Refs. And we're joined by uh, Mr. Mickey Menser, Cincinnati Reds. Mr. Menser, how are you doing today? Good. How are you guys? Good. Thank you. Thank you for coming on. Uh, we actually recorded this episode once <laughs> <laughs> before and uh, the file got corrupted. So this is kind of our like second take. But yeah, we're going to get right into it. So just we're just going to ask you to kind of introduce yourself and, and what you do. Yeah. So yeah, like you said, I'm, I'm Mickey Metzer. I'm the director of baseball systems for the Cincinnati Reds, which is a fancy title, which uh, basically encompasses anything data related for the organization. Um, pro sports are kind of unique where uh, in the same business, you almost have two companies. And so there's the business side and the baseball side. Uh, I sit over data on both sides, but I can say you know, 90, 95% of my time is focused on baseball, which includes analytics, sports science, uh, player development, meeting with front office coaches right now we're big into like player evaluation uh, what do we want to do in the off season and you know around draft time we're evaluating college kids uh high school kids who we may want to draft so all of that kind of falls under my world all right well we're just kind of we're gonna do a little icebreaker we like to do this with everybody just kind of before the episode kind of get the the nerves out favorite baseball player of all time you know i don't even remember who i said last time so it's gonna <laughs> And it's kind of unique because we have Reds Fest this weekend, so oh, okay. a lot of these guys are in town. Um, so, like yesterday, I was talking with uh, Eric Davis. I was talking to Barry Larkin. Bronson Arroyo was in town. Um, but it'd have to be someone from that 90 World Series yeah. team for me because I was 13 and 90. So, you know, that's kind of your prime baseball forming right. years. And so, of the of the big three there, you know, you have Davis, like I said, Barry Larkin, and Chris Sabo. I think I'd have to go with. Barry Larkin, like just yeah, a, yeah. a true five-tool player, uh, super nice guy, um, kind of surreal getting to meet these guys. I, you know, they're coworkers now. Uh, when you looked up to them, but right. yeah, I'd have to go with with Larkin. Okay. Uh, and then, kind of back on the topic, how how was like? Can you describe your journey like to the sports field and maybe in the sports field as well? Yeah, so I get asked about this a lot, uh, and a lot of people reach out. And my journey into sports is pretty unique. And and as I've connected with people around baseball in general, other teams, you know, the way I came into the organization is just different. So I spent a lot of time, you know, different roles, mostly on the tech side, uh, a lot of startup roles, working kind of in innovation. So helping companies you know, think different about their problems. You know, if there's new bleeding edge technology, how can we implement that to make, you know, sense for our business? And I had the opportunity to, you know, talk at happy hour with some people high up at the Reds and we talked about some ideas and it turned into a job offer. And so I actually ended the organization as a director, uh, typically to get into sports, people uh, start at the bottom. Uh, they do internships, make pennies, you know, do all, all the, the crap work and work their way up. A great example is that, of that is our, our uh, former GM and now president of baseball operations, Nick Crawl. He actually started as a bat boy for the Oakland A's organization and worked his way up through the scouting ranks uh, and now runs a professional baseball team. He's doing pretty well. Uh, so that that's the more typical path. Mine's a little bit different. Yeah. Okay. When you entered college, was that what you wanted to do? Because you talked about your job title being like 
there's a side of baseball and there's a side of business. Mm-hmm. Did you lean more towards business or the sports side? No. So, you know, I started off college studying business. I was always really good with computers and just like, you know, every teenager when the adults say you should go into computers and give you that advice, you don't listen to them. So I was like, no, I'm going to be a businessman. Uh, but I, you know, I made my way back into the tech industry. Um, I never thought of working in sports. Like it always was cool. Uh, I guess I just didn't understand like the amount of, of roles that go into putting a sports organization together. So yeah, that was never my goal. Uh, it's just a happy accident that I ended up here. And it's pretty awesome. And then how have your responsibilities changed ever since you become the director of baseball system? Um, they've grown, right? Yeah. Like another unique thing about uh, working in pro sports is from the outside, it looks like this big organization and they have you know people for everything. But inside, it really feels like a, a, fam- a small family-run business because it kind of is, right? Like mm-hmm. the, the Castellinis are the main owners of us. Um, and so you wear a lot of different hats. And so, like I said, you know, even though I come more from the technical side, if I don't know anyone that ever does, but if you if you watch the Major League Baseball draft and when they pay into the different rooms, you'll see me in the room. Um, and so, like, just being involved in a lot of the baseball side of it has changed. And as, you know, trust grows in the organization on – you know, this is the information that we can add, or this is what we can build to support that, or this is how we evaluate things. Uh, you, you get looped into more of those. This, this weekend, I'm going to Nashville for next week for the winter meetings. And so it's, it's my role is definitely involved into becoming, you know, more a, a critical part of mm. the, the baseball side. Mm. Yeah. For, the, for that data systems and development, was that like just purely analytics in, in the major leagues, or was it more? No, it was more just any data, right? Okay. Because the, the amount of data that we consume uh, nightly, especially in season, mm-hmm. is insane. Yeah. I, I tell people, like, for an easy reference, um, you think about every major league game, every minor league game, for every team, mm-hmm. every single pitch that's thrown creates about 6,000 rows in a database for us somewhere, whether that's biomechanical data around the hitter, the players on the fields, or the pitcher, or, you know, the metrics around what's happening, uh, you know, the, the movement of the ball, things like that. Yeah. And so just making sense of that because – Typically, you know, the, your front office leaders, the GM, uh, even the coaches, they're not technical people. And so if I present them with that data, that makes no sense to them. But if I can put it in, in, in meaningful solutions that, you know, help them make the decisions they need to make, that, that's, that, that's super powerful. And so that's kind of, you know, where that data and development systems, you know, came in. Right. Okay. And then kind of how has data analytics, like, evolved in baseball from, like, your perspective that, like, me and Chase – like average fans wouldn't like see. Well, yeah, like, I mean, uh, if you're familiar with analytics in baseball, then you're probably familiar with Moneyball. And so, yeah. you know, there was you know, Bill James and Sabermetrics, and those things were happening then, but it wasn't it wasn't bought into. And now just about every team is heavily leveraging analytics. The Yankees are getting blasted right now for, you know, in the, in the court of public opinion for maybe relying on analytics too much. Mm-hmm. Um, but you see where some teams, you know, like the Tampa Bay Rays used to be the gold standard of what they've done. Um, right. I think yeah. other teams, including us, have bridged the gap on that. But and then there's there's teams that are bad at it. But you see it implementing more, and and it's just ways to normalize data. Like I said, so that you can put information in front of you know the guys that are going to make the decision whether mm-hmm. you know whether it's um, you know Joe Katuska who's the the leads amateur scouting who he's going to select on draft day or you know, like right now, super hot, you know, what trades we're going to make. So Rob Coughlin, um, director of pro scouting, and then, you know, 
Brad Mater, the GM, and Nick Crawl, they're, they're making decisions on players. And so if we can present them new ways to normalize data across those players, almost like a grade, right? Like here's a grade on this guy compared to this guy to oversimplify it. Um, that's where analytics has really come in to play. Uh, so like you're, you see all these crazy stats, right. you know, like WRC plus or, you know, stuff, stuff plus, you know, you know weighted uh, runs above average, things like that all come in to help make better decisions. And those didn't exist before, right? You, mm-hmm. you look, you used to just go by what was on the back of a baseball card. Yeah. Right. It's come so far since then. Right. And how is that like that normalization, like in your eyes, has that changed baseball for the better in your eyes? Um, I think it's added value in evaluating players. So I would say in that aspect, yes. I think you can go down a rabbit hole of overanalyzing data on players because right. at, at some they're not engines, right? They're not cars, and so not everything's repeatable. So like one of the one of the areas I pick on is like you know so many companies are out there trying to predict injuries, right? Like mm-hmm. in theory, if you're driving your car and these three things happen, you can you know. You can say, oh, well, the timing belt's about to go out or something mm-hmm. like that. But with players, it's so different. Like, there's not there's not a bunch of, of key indicators that I can look at and say, oh, this guy's going to need Tommy John, right? Like, right, yeah. every human's different. They're built different. Um, they're throwing mode. Everything's different. So um, I, I think in that aspect, like, people that are relying on or selling solutions on that, I, I, there's not a lot of trust there. So in mm-hmm. that aspect, it's probably not for the better. Okay. But the way we evaluate players and normalize data um, – and if you do it right, I think it has yeah. done for the better. I won't say his name, but someone pretty high up in the organization, when we, we put together our event scouting stuff, so basically how we're going to face this next team, mm-hmm. um, there's been times where some of the data has been delayed, and, and you know, there's a, a level of nervousness or freak out, and this guy always says, like, what, what, what's India going to do for you? How to play baseball? Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, uh, if he doesn't have the, the most up-to-date stats for that game, is he really going to freak out of this? So, yeah. you know over-relying on that data could be a negative also. I just had a question about in college, mm-hmm. like has that, has the involvement of analytics been present in college baseball? It's there. Um, and I, I bet, I mean, I bet it's similar to, you know, every every other sport. So the, the colleges that are printing right. money, you know, like okay, the, yeah. the Big Ten, the SEC, the big the big schools are probably have a bigger department than, you know, like you see, mm-hmm. I know that there are people there doing analytics a few years ago, they were, you know, doing on spreadsheets, and we, we talked about, you know, how they can get better, you know, information mm-hmm. there. It's definitely not to the level that a pro organization would be mm-hmm. at, but I think they're bridging the gap. And, mm-hmm. and there's companies that are, are marketing, you know, what they've done with major league teams to those college teams just to kind of expand their market. So okay. it's trickling in there. Yeah. All right. All right. Even high schools, I bet. I mean, I bet at some level there's some sort of analytics going on in high schools. There should be. Right. I mean, you look at, like – Game changers, obviously, like that that number one software for high school and baseball, and yeah. they're they're already throwing out. There's advanced metrics on there for right. pretty much every player, so yeah. it's it's definitely they're bridging the gap in high school too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then, can you describe some of your favorite experiences while working in the sports field so far? Um, this year was pretty fun. Like yeah. I, I could sum up this year, right? Yeah. Uh, so I came into the Reds organization, uh, you know, around the COVID time. Um, the Reds were decent. Then they traded everyone away. Like mm-hmm. they, we, we kind of had a plan. We stuck to it, and fans hated us. And mm-hmm. and and you know, you see, really around anything, but you see like keyboard warriors on Twitter and the things mm-hmm. they say. And I'm getting those same texts from people I know. You know, like <laughs> yeah. people are not happy. Um, but I kept, you know, I mean, I talked to, to you guys, like you know, some of the people in, in Tigers Inc. about you know, this. Is, there's a plan there. You'll see yeah. some things and. Mm-hmm. 
I kind of hinted to what we would see this past season, you know, and, and as the young kids came up, it'd be exciting. Um, and so they, this year was huge. Big moments. I mean, Ellie coming up was huge. The cycle game was insane. <laughs> like, just the energy in the stadium was there. So being a part of that. Um, the draft, like when we drafted Cam Collier, the guy, mm-hmm. the kid that fell to us, yeah. like that was a huge get. We were pretty excited in the room afterwards. And, like, yeah. we won the draft on that first pick. Like, it felt like, you know, there's much more work to do. But that was cool. Um Meeting your, you know, meeting your heroes, uh, it's just, it's cool. Like, it's still, it's still cool to go, you know, whether you're in spring training or whatever, and, and, you know, meet these great players in in the tunnel or whatever. Yeah. Try to play it cool. Right. (laughs) And I have, like, a scouting question. Like, can you kind of explain, like, the process of how, like, these, like, uh, younger players from, like, overseas, like, how they get, like, scouted over them will be? Yeah. So, um, every team's probably different. The Reds we put a lot of weight in scouts. And so we have a pretty big scouting roster. Uh, I don't know the exact numbers, but I mean, we've probably got 50 scouts and some of those may, you know, some may be amateurs that switch to pro when it's time and stuff like that, but then, you know, kind of wear multiple hats, but we have international scouts. Um, and so they're constantly looking at players, whether that's, you know, in the East or, you know, there's a ton down in like the Dominican and areas like that. Um, it's kind of the wild West. And so there's, talk in baseball about implementing like an international draft, which yeah. I think would help normalize and, and really not, not only like make it fair for every team, but also, you know, you, you hear about 11 and 12 year old kids getting, you know, million dollar offers yeah. to sign once they're old enough. And when that happens, especially, you know, in the, in, you know, in, in like the Dominican or areas like that, then people start attaching them to those kids and they're basically exploiting these 12 year olds, which how do you know how good of a player a kid's really going to be at 12? Um, But yeah, like player evaluation and finding that talent never stops. Mm. I think it's probably more normalized now with, you know, the internet and instant, you know, there's a fan can take a video, which gets circulate circulate the globe instantly. Um, So there's probably a lot more sharing like that, but yeah, we put a lot more scouting and, and, you know, we, we have a pretty robust scouting solution where we then pull in this data, normalize everything, and make good decisions. And we've we've done pretty good in the international market, I think. So is it kind of like a first come, first serve on them? Or like whoever can pay the best? Some of that. Mm-hmm. There is some of that. There's also relationships, yeah. right? So these scouts are building a relationship with these boost phones or these, these the, the, the caretakers of these players. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so some of that. Uh, some of that, um, you know, weighs into it. But, yeah, like... It is for like if you make an agreement with a young player, yeah. they they honor those agreements because if you don't, um, then it kind of tarnishes the reputation of that representation yeah. and, and it won't go. But yeah, a lot of it's first come first serve, yeah. which is why you see the deals for an eleven and twelve. Yeah, right. All right, so we just have we have two questions left. Yeah, and uh, these are just questions we ask pretty much everybody. Um, so the first question being, this is obviously a podcast based on like soft skills, mm-hmm. development of those, and in, in many occupations. So how are those? present in your occupation um the i mean they're 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 prevalent in every industry right, right? Mm-hmm. um I'll, I'll take it from two sides one from the tech side right like you, there's a lot of people that are really really good with technology that are not good with the soft skills and so if you can marry those two you're kind of a diamond in the rough and, and really any company's going to jump on that uh the person that can you know create incredible software then also talk to uh, someone that doesn't understand software about what they're doing it's huge and that's a huge skill. Um, but the other thing is just relationship building in 
pro sports, there's a lot of networking. There's a lot of, uh, you know, finding out information or, or sharing ideas or consuming ideas. And so just the communication there. Um, yeah, like I think it's a, a, the soft skills are definitely a differentiator in India. Any industry, the tech mm-hmm. is probably mm-hmm. a huge one. Mm-hmm. Um, in business, you kind of have to have them. Um, but yeah, they're, they're as prevalent here as anywhere. Okay. Uh, and then what advice would you give to somebody kind of looking to enter the data analytics field? Yeah, be persistent, especially if it's in sports. Um, mm-hmm. Every organ, every company is using data and analytics now, so it's a great field to be in. It, yeah. it pays pretty well. Um, but if you're interested in sports, definitely make connections on LinkedIn. Start as soon as you hear this, you know, in high school and through college, um, do those roles with your college. If it has a baseball team or basketball team or football team, mm-hmm. you know, volunteer to do that uh, and, and like make those connections. We hired uh, a couple people this year and, and those are kind of, they, they kind of laid the groundwork when they were in college, made connections with, you know, coaches that went on to coach in the professionals some, somewhere. Um, and then they got those, people to vouch for them so yeah um just be persistent Mm -hmm. all right so that's gonna be that's all we have uh thank you again for coming in especially after the last one yeah yeah. (laughs) what happened with the last one this one was way better yeah i would agree all right so that's gonna be episode five